Welcome to the Restaurant Podcast. Today we're speaking to Rare Restaurants boss Martin Williams. He has remained commendably positive throughout the pandemic, throwing everything into reopening his Gaucho and M restaurants and getting people back through the doors, a central part of that strategy being robust health and safety policies at all venues. He's also been an important voice in the media, championing restaurants as safe spaces and, and also talking about the considerable challenges the industry faces. On the eve of England's second national lockdown, I start by asking him if he's still able to look on the bright side. Um, I think you can always find the positive and plan ahead. And it's been an opportunity for the, for the last six months to gen- demonstrate you know, good leadership, good values as a company. And I think we've probably achieved more engagement with our team and our people um, in three months of lockdown than we would have done in three years. So you can make some cultural change and you can, you, you know, there are plenty of positives there. Um, as far as trading is concerned, it's become increasingly difficult um, as the rule of six became tier two, then tier three, and it was get and and as support was dropping off, I think it became more and more difficult. So, you know, the prospect of JSS, which is relatively limited and wasn't fit for purpose and was and was much better, um, plus having a rent moratorium that runs out in only six, seven weeks' time, and the other support measures that the government put in place in terms of business rates and that seeming like when when they were first introduced, they were a year away, now they're four months away. Um, you know, it, that cliff edge seems to be closer. So it's definitely a tougher time than we were in come April, May, um, and I think there is there's still opportunity there, but you've got to seek particularly hard to uh, find the positive right now. You recently, um, well, you have done a number of times over the last few weeks, sort of set out what what you think is needed from from governments, you know, in terms of what happens next. Can you talk me through that and also give me your comment on the, on the current support that's being offered? Well, it changes every day, so it's quite difficult to... Um, yes, <laughs> it's, it's very, it is, what is What is today's view on support? I think um, it was very good that the furlough was put back in and that will support employees. That obviously needs to be extended again. I think... Um, to run that through till February would be clever with the flexi furlough option and some employer contributions in the same way that we've had in the past two or three months. Um, that ultimately we've been kicking the can down the road for six months. So, and if we gave up now on support, the government stopped supporting both employees and companies right now, it would have all have been a waste of time. You're just delaying the inevitable. So you've got to twist that on its head and actually say, okay, we've got to come out the other side now. Now, common sense should start prevailing and, and you would hope that the government had take a fresh look at this and go, okay, well, we've had lockdown one, we've had lockdown two, now we need to change our strategy and policy, allow businesses to go back to work, encourage employees to go back to work and get the economy going again. And if that was the case, then I think every restaurant would be delighted, every bar would be delighted. And you know, obviously we need to protect the weak. This is a pandemic. You need to protect the vulnerable, protect the elderly, but allow the rest of society to actually have some liberty and um, use common sense and protect themselves and go to environments like restaurants where they're very safe, COVID-secure environments. You know, 
keep keep hearing about hospitality and I think that's a great great thing that um you know we've been at the forefront of the news and Kate Nichols has done an amazing job and we've and we've been we've benefited from a lot of great support but it's almost like the volume of hospitality is we're a victim of that success only 3% of people are contracting coronavirus in in hospitality venues versus 25% of people in schools and universities 24% of people in care homes so it's a disproportionate volume of noise about hospitality in a sense and we just need to be left to get on with it but that that also needs to come hand in hand with businesses returning to work and and tube lines opening and train lines opening. So if that isn't viable, then we need a lot more support. So the rent monitoring needs to move it into summer. I'd say the business rates and that relief need to be continued definitely into summer, if not through to the end of 2021, because restaurants are going to continue to suffer until we learn to live with this. Now, it very, very much seems like you know, a vaccine may help, but only in the same way as a flu jab. So it's something that you have annually or that this becomes something more akin to a cold where, you know, you can repeatedly have it and it will affect you. So, but we live with both flu and cold. I wonder, for, for, for those that, that, that don't know, listen to the podcast, I imagine most people, you, you, your wife actually works for the NHS. And I wonder, are you on the same page with her on most of these issues or, or do you clash about it? Yeah, so she's um, she's a clinical nurse specialist in HIV. So a lot of her patients are um, sort of in the high risk category. Yeah. And she's about to be redeployed to the front line in a couple of weeks' time. She'll be either in an ICU or um, will be in the community visiting people who have coronavirus. As far as her views on this, I think we're fa- fairly aligned. I mean, she always brings you back to reality. So, insofar as um, you know, you can sound flippant, and you're always in danger of that. And it's conscious of that when I'm. Referring to coronavirus and comparing it to a common cold or the flu, um, you know, there's always the reality check of this has killed somebody or somebody who was less vulnerable than you think um, has really, really, really suffered through this. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, it's important to remember that and not come across as you know, some corporate capitalist madman who just thinks we should all go back to work and not not have common sense and not have safety measures in place and and not protect people what on earth are you doing in terms of bookings for for november up until is it this i think it's the third of december isn't it so 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 what are you doing with with those bookings i mean you're obviously going to be contacting them to say that it's not possible what's the next step after that well, first of all, it's been incredibly busy over the weekend and um, and this week. Um, you know, again, if you ever needed a reminder that people love restaurants and love hospitality and have a newfound appreciation for it, um, this week is it. And um, yeah, we had some like eight thousand bookings made or covers booked on Sunday when usually it would be two thousand across our nineteen restaurants. So the demand has been huge and I'm sure it will be huge on the other side. As far as November's bookings are concerned, um we've basically uh had to postpone and cancel them all or cancel them all and ask them if they'd like to rebook in Jan in um December. But 
then December's new inquiries, uh, we're literally treating them as inquiries right now and not uh, committing to them to avoid disappointment. Once we get further clarity in the next two or three weeks, then we'll start contacting them to confirm their bookings. Hopefully that'll be in a an environment where mixed households is permitted and uh, business meetings could continue. And um, we can have a bit of fun around that uh, at Christmas time with a view that hopefully we can legally uh, use our private dining rooms. Sadly, it doesn't look like, you know, you can have anything close to a normal Christmas trading period. I mean, there are definitely going to be restrictions when you're allowed to, to, to reopen, um, hopefully in, in, in early December, but, but who knows. With, with that in mind, I mean, how confident are you about not sort of lo- losing money o- over over the festive period? We'll probably be at least 50% negative in December versus prior year, um, but the huge amount of waiting of um, group bookings, private dining rooms and events may make it worse, maybe 75% negative. Um, but that would still allow, to, allow us to trade and, more, and as importantly, bring everybody back to work and be a viable business. So yeah, that's, that's the objective. Um, I don't think we will see a proper return to normality until probably February, March, to be honest with you. So it's a, for me, it's a case of modeling both a worst case scenario that sees us possibly in lockdown till January and then uh, heavily restricted trading in February and March. And at the same time, modeling a much more optimistic scenario, which is true to their word, will be back up and trading in December and it to be fairly um, non-restrictive. Sure. And, and, you know, a lot of restaurant businesses are extremely reliant on the festive period, dangerously yeah. so. I think that's certainly the case with um, independence. Um, with M and Gaucho, would you, I mean, how reliant are you sort of in, terms, in the context of the whole year on a successful festive trade? We're, 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 we're nowhere near as reliant as a big company, um, a relatively big company as many of the independents out there and there's plenty of independents with smaller businesses that um, you know, probably generate 25-30% of their annual turnover in a month. So for those businesses, it will be really difficult and um, and I fear for them because you know, that cliff edge is becoming closer and closer. And I think a lot of a lot of restaurateurs that I speak to, they've managed to get open, they've managed to start trading with a bit of profitability over summer. Then tier two came in and they were back not for six. And now there's unless there's some you know, it's enough to talk about the rent moratorium, but ultimately there needs to be an intervention from the government to support restaurants now, which is beyond giving the guideline, which wasn't worth the paper it was writ- written on, so that they're actually going, this is what we need to do on rents, because you know, you've now got nine months of hangover due in, due in January of many, many restaurants that haven't paid rent since March, and you've got, um, and then they'll have another three months of rent to pay in advance. So 
very, very few restaurant groups. And you see that through CBAs and administration processes that are going on all around us. And thankfully, to answer your question, at Goucher and M, we're, we're very liquid, so, so we're not concerned about that. But uh, I'm not unduly concerned. Um, but for many independents, it's impossible. You see great establishments like Langan's and you see Conduit Club and you know some seriously brilliant venues now closing. And I think that's only going to increase unless there is some definitive rent relief or support um, or a definition of who should be paying what from the government in the form of an intervention with landlords. Where does this leave you in terms of stock? I mean, it, had you started to, to, to sort of gear up for Christmas? I know obviously with, with a product like beef that, that's often travelling from, from, for example, Argentina. I mean, how on earth have you managed that? It's a, it's a tricky one. Thankfully, we're probably... Um, we order six weeks in advance and, and, and it comes um, at that point. So we'd been, we'd been delaying our stock. Um, so we'll have a lot of wastage for November, but nowhere near as much as we would have had. And, um, and then we'll have to make some sort of fairly conservative calls on our, on our beef offering and what, what we anticipate it would be um, and see how the next couple of weeks progress. But it is a logistical nightmare. And um, ultimately, when you do open, you want to be fully trading to your full capacity and not restricted by supplier logistics. And then you've done you've done some work with hot food delivery. Is the meal kits hampers end of things? Is is that something that, that you you might potentially look at? Yeah, it's a great question, and I think one that most most restaurant groups or brands are, are looking at at the moment. So from a hot food perspective, we're creating a new virtual brand. We're looking at launching a second one. Uh, we're looking at how we maximize the Gaucho M delivery capabilities and direct grab-and-go uh, capabilities and direct delivery. And, and I think that's, that's an easier question to, or a challenge to sort of go, how do I maximize this and how do I do it in a way which doesn't devalue the brand? But it's still fraught with danger. I mean, ultimately, once you're looking at a third party being responsible for your delivery and the quality of that on the doorstep versus how it left the restaurant, that's, that's, a, that's a gamble. You know, it's ultimately a risk. Um, to answer your question, I think for us, we don't want to go down the prepare at home route because in the same way you're relying on equipment of the home the skill set of whoever's cooking it and that's forgetting any presentation issues so you've got a huge challenge there insofar as you know what ends up on the plate and i don't think it's appropriate i think it's too much risk there and it would devalue your brand um to be creating these hampers that do a cook-at-home element. And I, I always think back to the Pizza Express decision to start putting their pizzas into supermarkets and the impact that had on their business, um, which was disastrous. When you say a virtual brand, does, does that mean using a, a dark kitchen or is it, is it a brand that's distinct from Gaucho and M? Uh, we're looking at both. Um, so we, we've created Meat and Bun by Gaucho. Um, which is a predominantly burger and sandwich-led uh, concept, but it 
although specializes in meat, goes into the vegetarian and fish worlds. We're looking at a bow concept, although we have bow as a bar food menu at M. Um, that, so it's within our skill set that wouldn't be attributed to either of the brands. And we're looking at two or three other brands that we're, we could potentially create as a virtual offering for delivery. We could do meat and bun from M as much as from Goucher. Uh, we have the same equipment. Um, and we're looking at our Twickenham restaurant, whether we make that a slightly different concept, which would be a bar in the first case, but also it would be this hub, in, a, in essence, a, a ghost kitchen for both Gaucho, the bow concept, meat and bun, and potentially other street food-led brands that we would create. And then we're, look, we're, we're looking as, as well at other opportunities with um, Stadia once they reopen of where we can introduce some of these brands into them as well. The, the good thing about that, that, that side of things is there's a huge amount of flexibility and I, and I guess also not a huge amount of risk because you, you can just try something and if it doesn't work, it, it's relatively speaking, it's not an enormous investment. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you keep your core product as the hero product and the hero brands and these sort of you can be a lot more playful with the with the virtual brands and all these the sub brands um and, and uh, i think if you can get those virtual brands right then you have a quite a nice fun uh, conundrum of how do i give them a home so we've we've still got a restaurant in amsterdam for example so we may well put that offering into one of those offerings into amsterdam go okay this brand started as a virtual brand but actually then found a restaurant home. So it's almost turning it on its head, really, and um, playing with the brands and getting them right and the offering right first, and then applying them to a fixed brick-and-mortar uh, establishment. It sounds like you've got an awful lot to uh, think about and uh, and get on with. Absolutely. We've got to keep ourselves busy for the next month or so. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to speak to you, as, as always, and, um, and thanks for taking the time. Cheers, Joe. All the best to everyone. 